You're listening to What She Said, a podcast for bloggers and creatives hosted by me, Lucy Sharif, a freelance journalist living in London. Each week, I interview different women in blogging and the online world, getting their best blogging tips and advice, and a little bit of gossip too. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to What She Said. I'm so happy that you've joined me on this Monday morning to listen to my latest episode. This week I am super excited to share with you um, an interview that I did just before Christmas with Jen Carrington. If you are a regular listener or you read my blog or you just know me as a person, you'll know that I'm a huge, huge fan of Jen. Um, I did coaching with her back in 2016 and she is the one that kind of kick-started my career, turned things around for me and I wrote a really popular blog post um, called Five Things That Helped Me Grow My Blog and along with Sarah Tasker's Insta Retreat, hers is one of them, one of the reasons my blog kind of grew um, and just my kind of creative career grew and blossomed. She's a creative coach um, and she has a blog called jencarrington.com, which you may know her from, where she shares loads and loads of helpful tips um, on blogging and creativity and um, kind of business life. Um, She's got, you might be subscribed to her weekly letters where she shares just really beautiful letters each week with her subscribers. Um, Or you might have listened to her podcast, Make It Happen, which um, is coming back for another season this year. But if um, you want to catch up with all of those, all the links are in the show notes. Um, She's just a really awesome human being. She's wise beyond her years. Um, She's a very quiet, calming um, female who is super feminist um, and just totally kick-ass. And I can't even tell you how giddy I was to be speaking to her (laughs) because we hadn't actually spoken since we'd since my coaching which was um over a year before and um when I had one of my coaching calls with Jen I had literally just taken a pregnancy test and found out that I was pregnant with Anais so (laughs) she has the crazy honor of (laughs) I don't know if it is honor crazy (laughs) crazy fact that Jen Carrington was the first person who found out I was pregnant (laughs) before my husband (laughs) which is nuts anyway I'm going to stop waffling. Um, I apologise in advance for the excessive fangirling throughout this episode, but whatever. Fangirl and proud. <laughs> Enjoy. How are you? <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I am. It's cold. Yeah, it's cold. It's really cold. <laughs> um, but I'm good. I am going to be a little bit overexcited in this <laughs> episode because Jen was my coach and she's one of my favourite human beings ever. and if you don't follow her you should but fangirling won't be over I was about to say fangirling over but it definitely won't be um (laughs) so if for people that don't know who you are do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your blogging journey so far of course and if anyone heard that my cat just screeched so (laughs) I have three animals and they're probably all making noises so I apologize in advance but yes so I am Jen Carrington. I am a creative coach. What that basically means is I work with wonderful creative people who want to make things happen, whether that's 
take their business to the next level or write a book or create a podcast or just get out of their own way. I work with wonderful people like Lucy, um, which is, in my opinion, the coolest job in the world. Um, (laughs) I also write a lot. I have a blog. I have emails that I send out. I write little mini books. Um, And what else? I have a podcast that has currently been very neglected this year but will hopefully be coming back next year. And, yeah, I I mean, when I'm not working, I'm pretty much hanging out with my best friends, which are animals, or reading a book. (laughs) So I really want to talk to you a lot about coaching um, and kind of connecting with your dreamy clients. And um, I even said in a, I can't remember what podcast episode. In fact, no, it's not out yet. I did an interview with Charlie Swift and I said something about dreamy clients and we were both like, that is such a Jen Carrington saying. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I consume like all of your content. <laughs> So one of the things that you talk about that's really, really helped me, aside from obviously working with you um, on a one-to-one basis, is honing in on like your dreamy clients and dreamy everything, but particularly when it comes to coaching. How do you do that? Honing on dreamy clients? Yes. I think I think you've got to be... Okay, I think there's two layers here. I think the specifics of that one is you've got to be clear about who you actually want to work with. And I find that that kind of sentence of like holding on your dreamy clients, it really stresses people out for two reasons. Because they're like, well, what's, what's a dreamy client? And then should I only work with dreamy clients? <laughs> because sometimes dreamy clients are just the clients who pay the bills. Like that's also a dreamy client. <laughs> like, there's different layers of dreamy clients, but I think it's ultimately it's everyone has like a zone of genius where they really excel. You know, we all have like a spectrum of things that we can do, but there's like a sweet spot that we do really well. And I think dream clients is where we really get to work within our sweet pot, spot, sweet pot, sweet spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in our zone of genius and where we get to work with people where it's just we're in flow together, we connect. You know, dream clients are usually direct clients who share a similar worldview. They share a similar they, they they share a similar approach to the work. Um, you you're passionate usually about what they do. Um, you connect well as humans and you just have a very like high energy time working together mm. I think sometimes honing in on that I think it's easier once you've worked with a few clients and you can see well this feels good and this doesn't feel good yeah um sometimes I'm not really one of those people who believes in having like an ideal client like profile yeah because I just don't think you can box humans in like that for example like for me some of my like dreamiest ever clients I did not think they were going to be dream clients. I thought they'd just be like really good clients. And they ended up being like incredible clients because we just, we just made some weird magic happen together in the way we connected and the space we held together. So I think, I think it's a very like nuanced gray area, which I'm sure is not helpful because it'd be nicer if this was like a a summed up. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, (laughs) yeah, I think it's, sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, no. I was just going to say, I think it's better because um, you're not, you're right because it can get really stressful when you're like I've got a who's my ideal person and what do they where do they live how do I find that exact person and oh my god there's only two of these people in the world and how will I make money (laughs) my advice for getting to the heart of dream clients is write a bucket list so I mean we're all like on the internet so like think of people who you follow on Instagram or you follow their blog or you follow them on Twitter and you just think I'd love to work with this type of person. And it's not that, like, this really funny thing's happened to me. Whenever I, I write a dream client bucket list every year, and at least at least a third of that list has ended up hiring me. Really? Not from anything I've ever, ever done. To, like, it's, it's just, it's just, like, it's, like, this weird, like... 
putting the energy out there yeah or just like getting specific on who you want to work with and I think the wonderful thing about social media is that you get to really know someone and they people share their struggles and their highs and lows I think getting specific on who those people are and it's not really about targeting them it's more about well what is it about them that I would love to work with and then the other layer is think about the clients you have worked with what did you love what did what felt less in alignment with you with your core genius yeah and every time you work with a client, reflect on it, what felt good, what didn't. Because also, human beings are messy. You're not ever going to get a human being who's like a perfect client. You may love one side of working with them and one side may be more challenging. And that's not really a bad thing because challenges are good in a way. You learn from them and you grow from them. But I think kind of just getting specific on who do I love working with? Who would I love to support? What would feel really like juicy for me to dive into? Yeah. And then from that, I think the secret like the secret weapon is then using that to create content where you're directly speaking to those people. That was one of the tips that you gave me, which was super, super helpful. And um, for whatever reason, it took me, I suppose, actually, I know what reason it was. It was because I was pregnant and then I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of took me a while to like click into that. But then once I had creating content for like worthwhile content for kind of my dream, like dreamy people, but from a point of view of this is this is my expertise that that was a massive game changer for me that's when I started attracting people that um wanted to work with me because I was being authentic and sharing stuff worthwhile stuff yeah I think the trap we actually can all fall into is we write for our peers not for our clients yes so you write content that will that appeals to people who would never hire you because it's more people who just maybe the similar industry to you and it's like wait if you want to have that type of content marketing where it's speaking to clients, you've got to actually ask yourself, is this actually speaking to the people that I want to work with and that I want to serve and that I want to connect with? Or is it kind of just noise? Yeah, that that's, is, yeah that's a really good point. Yeah, and I think I think the layer there where people get stressed and lose themselves is then they think, oh, I have to only share high-value, actionable content. And sometimes <laughs> writing to your dream clients is still like very personal sharing yourself style content. Yeah. I think it's just always knowing in your mind, this is who I'm writing for. This is who this is for. Um, so you're, you're, you're being very intentional with the content you're putting out there. What have been the biggest challenges in your sort of taking it back to your blog, actually, <clears throat> in growing your blog? And I'm not talking about like getting to certain numbers or anything like that. Just even stumbling blocks where you felt like oh, I can't press publish on this post or because I get a lot of people such a rambly question I'm so sorry no. <laughs> I'm not back into the swing of interviewing people yet so <laughs> my questions are going to be about 25 minutes long <laughs> one of the things I hear a lot is people sort of saying I, I don't feel good enough to write or I don't have anything new to put out there or um but but my blog doesn't look like everybody else's blog or I don't fit into the formula or I don't have a niche or I don't have this I don't have that have you ever had that struggle and how did you yeah. overcome it I mean every day <laughs> if you think about it it's kind of weird we're all just kind of like I call them the conversations that I have with myself that I turn into content and then we're kind of putting it out there expecting people to care about it and read it. it it's kind of weird it's kind of crazy it's like when you get down to it you then you start asking yourself those questions of am I worthy of taking up this space does anyone care mm. and then you just spiral into this place of like hating yourself and everything that you ever do <laughs> I, I think anyone feels familiar <laughs> yeah and I think and then you have days where you're just you're so in flow it's probably because it's a certain for me it's just I'm a certain stage of my cycle of the month and I'm feeling yes. really great and you're just you're just 
you're in flow with it. I think something I like to always remind myself is if I think of like five blog posts that month that I loved or five podcast episodes or whatever, Instagram captions that really spoke to me. And if I think about what if that person didn't share that, because it wasn't entirely groundbreaking. It wasn't entirely new because nothing is, but it was the way they said it in the way they express themselves connected with me. It brought me joy. It helped me, it helped me feel less alone. It entertained me, whatever it did. What if they didn't? And what if I do? What if I don't? Then how can my work not connect in the way that I want it to? I think it's kind of... No, 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 go on, go on. (laughs) I think it's it's always remembering that, yes, it has all been said before, but it's a cliche, but it's not been said by you in this moment in the way you want to share it. And I think... We, I think we kind of all feel like there's like a limit of how much space can be taken up around a certain subject, but it all it all matters. And I think it's kind of kind of a big part of it is I think giving yourself permission to take up that space and to put your work out there and to know that your story and your voice matters for the sole reason that we're a human being and we're story. I think we're all inherently storytellers. I think we don't live just to experience life; we live to process it and talk about it and share and support each other. I completely agree. Um, yes, so many yeses to that. <laughs> so many because but you're so right. Um, and we were kind of talking offline a little bit, catching up and stuff. And we were talking about, you know, because one of the pod, the Podmas episodes I recorded um, was about imitation and copying. And someone had said, "Can you record a a, a Podmas episode on this? Because it's quite interesting." And one of the previous Sarah Ferguson, she talked about it as well, the line between imitation and copying. And and it's really, really hard, isn't it? Because you're right, there's nothing necessarily new out there, but it's about you putting your spin on it. But it's so hard, even talking about imitation and copying and creating new things or, you know, whatever. Like, I feel like it automatically makes people... Like, even now, as I'm talking about it, I'm like, everybody's thinking right now that I've copied someone or... Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and I think, th- does that also come down to, as humans, do we have this natural urge just to pit each other against each other? Yeah, that's true. Because I think, you know, we all know it's the truth that there's there's no such thing as an original idea anymore. Like, yeah. all art is some form of, like, rework, imitation, like, whatever it is. Like, we've all read Still Like an Artist. Like, everyone's got that book in their bookshelf. I think... <laughs> I think for me, the word that kind of defines how I always want to show up and how I always encourage my clients to show up is integrity. I think when you're doing things from a place of integrity, there is a level of peace that in- keeps you to helps you keep going. I think, you know, say you're saying something that's been said before, but you're saying it from your own stories, your own ideas, your own experience, your own brain. You can do that from a place of integrity. If you've got someone else's blog post opened up, and you're, <laughs> and you're, that's not from a place of integrity. That's probably from a place of both fear and and it's just a place of fear because you don't feel like what you have to say is good enough so you're taking it from someone else and I think that's I think that's the question to always have there is like am I doing what I'm doing from a place of integrity can I be proud of this can I stand by this because what you have to say doesn't have to be groundbreaking or change the world but it, I think it has to be true yes. in whatever that word means it has to be true because there's too much there's too much bullshit in the world already let's yeah. not add to it and I think you wrote a blog post or was it one of your weekly letters where you were talking about questions to ask yourself um i think it was before you kind of press publish 
anyway it really rang true for me because um just having that checklist in my mind because I know that I've done it several times when I'm in a place of doing trying something new I think is always quite a, a tough spot for me when I'm trying something new I am rarely confident enough to to like go out there and be like hey this is my idea it's brand new mm. or not even it's brand new but I ha- it's brand new for me um and that's when I find that I shrink a little bit and want to emulate somebody else mm. I don't know like it's hard isn't it because I feel like so many of us do that ha- and but that post that you wrote or the letter or whatever it was um you gave some really good tips on questions to ask yourself to stop yourself from doing that yeah, I remember it. I, I can literally picture it. So it's like, I think that quest, the first question was like, is this true? Yeah. Like, is this coming from me? Is this rooted in what I want to share? And I think also like, why am I sharing? I don't really need to know always. Sorry, my dog is barking. No, it's fine. <laughs> like, like, why am I sharing this? Because I think my personal rule, and I said, I remember writing this is like, this is my truth. So because this is my truth, I'm not projecting it onto you. You kind of, you have full permission to not agree with what I'm saying but me personally I don't want to write anything to validate myself that's like a big boundary for me it's like I want to share content to serve other people I don't want to share content just to validate my life choices because like that's what my mum's for (laughs) (laughs) that's what my husband's for (laughs) and so I think there's a layer of is this true why am I sharing this like what's my intention and I think the biggest question I ask myself is like am I at peace with this like Am I at peace with this that, so that I can share it and not have any... Of course, anything people say back is going to make us feel bad or feel good. But is my healing process and my experience as a human being safe from whatever comes back to me Yeah. in that moment? But I think that question of is this true and why am I sharing this and just... I also think a big part of it is like building a relationship with your content. You know, when I'm working with clients and maybe they're new to creating content, it's very uncomfortable and they're very like out of their comfort zone. They're just like, how can I make this easier? And the only advice, the truest advice I can give is it's a muscle. You will build it. You will feel it will be easier for you to come up with ideas. It'll be easier for you to write them. It'll be easier for you to share them the more you do it because you haven't grown that muscle yet. And I think if it imitation comes from when you haven't built the muscle but you want to still have the result of having the muscle and I think sometimes we use it as a safety blanket and I think sometimes we we're imitating something and we don't even realize it yeah and I think I always think like how what can we do to get to our very best work and I think it's a mixture of getting through the first shitty draft (laughs) and having actual space to be creative and being really quiet with ourselves and knowing why the hell am I sitting down to write this and with the validating self like I think people can think, well, is it okay not just to share for me? And I think, yeah, I mean, some of my favorite things to read are just like personal blogs. Mm. But I do think there's a difference between sharing something from a place of truth and sharing something and kind of manipulating it to make your life seem and look a certain way. And that's where I think the danger comes because I think that damages your sense of self. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even about making other people feel bad that you're putting out a false projection. Yeah, it's a false projection or whatever. But yeah, it can totally... um, fuck you up <laughs> well, what you're telling words. yourself in that moment is like i'm not good enough yeah therefore i must twist this to be good enough and i think and that just ties into everything that we struggle with so much in the social media world of constantly feeling like we're not good enough or we should be a certain way mm. right now i uh, yeah i'm high-fiving a million angels <laughs> as you speak <laughs> Something else that I really wanted to talk to you about, because I think you are amazing at this, is um, like boundary setting for yourself 
and therefore for everybody else around you. So as a former client, I felt like I had really clear boundaries, which may made me feel really, I think it made me feel really safe. Um, but also you appear to set really quite strong boundaries for yourself as well to protect yourself from things like burnout, which I know you've experienced in the past. Um, like what are your best tips on that and how do you do it? I think the first question to always ask yourself is like what is feeling good and what isn't feeling good because usually that that's from a lack of boundaries mm. so for example like oh it's not feeling good to reply to emails at 11 p.m boundaries I think the very hardest thing for people especially when you're self-employed is believing that you have permission to have boundaries yeah. because we're in charge of everything like if we want to pay the bills this month we're in charge of it all. And so I think people believe that there's they're scared to have boundaries because what if the work falls through? Or what if I stop getting work? And all those kind of fears that come up. But I think the truth of it is boundaries, to me, are golden because boundaries help you be the best version of yourself in every area of your life. So I think the first layer is, because boundaries look different for everyone. So everyone has different needs. But I think the first thing is to actually ask yourself, like, what's not feeling good right now? Like, what is feeling like an energy drain for me? Is it that you're giving clients... Is it that you don't have enough boundaries with your clients for them to know the scope of when you're available and when you're not available? Yeah. Is it that you don't have clear, like, email and social media boundaries? Is it that you don't have clear, just kind of, like, boundaries in your day that you can have a non-working lunch or whatever you need or that you don't check emails first thing in the morning and kind of getting really quiet with yourself and being like, what is draining my energy? And also, the consequence of having bad boundaries a lacking boundaries is that things tend to fall through the cracks. Say, for example, you have no client boundaries and you've just got things coming at you from all areas, you're, you're going to drop the ball mm. because you're going to feel so overwhelmed and you're going to forget to reply to something and then your clients don't get the best version of you. And then say in your life, say, you're, say you've got absolutely no boundaries, maybe you get double booked one day with a friend in a work situation and you're going to let someone down. So I think boundaries are golden because they actually help you do better work and live a better creative life but I think the first step is get really clear on what's draining your energy get clear when you need boundaries and then if it feels overwhelming to you to set them all at once just try just try one boundary yeah just say okay I'm really fed up of checking my emails all day so I'm gonna schedule in my phone three times a day when I'm gonna check my inbox and until that alarm goes off on my phone I can't check my inbox and for everyone that doesn't always work because you may have some people have more immediate emails that need replying to depending on your business model and the work you do but just try setting boundaries and try I think as a whole boundaries are all a part of you being intentional with how you approach your working life but I think a big I don't think I don't think we're raised in a world that encourages us to have boundaries I think we're raised in a world that encourages us to like bleed ourselves dry for everybody else totally and especially as women and particularly when you work from home or have a, a basically if you don't go into an office I think boundaries can get really really blurry and if you're a brand new freelancer or if you're thinking of going freelance then oh my god like thinking of sitting down and thinking about your boundaries first can really protect you yeah and I also think I think freelancers and people who have employed feel so much guilt for having yeah. more freedom when it comes to boundaries so then they kind of make I have so many clients who when they first go freelance, they're like, Jenna, I sit at my desk from 8 till 8 because I feel like I should. Yeah. But I'm not really getting any work done. I'm feeling really stressed. And I'm, because in reality, they could maybe get all their work done in four hours and then go and enjoy their day or do some creative projects, but they're scared to do it. 
because well what will my friends say and what will my family say or just what will I say about myself and I think I think as self-employed people we have more freedom to have boundaries because there's no one ahead of us we're the boss yeah but we're scared to have them because we haven't been modeled to have this but you could I truly believe that we can only really find fulfillment as creative people in these jobs that we've built for ourselves by giving ourselves space to define everything for ourselves and to have the boundaries that we need to thrive but it takes I call it work week baggage and we all have it and I think it takes a lot of rewriting the stories and seeing and just trying things out because sometimes it's really uncomfortable but on the other side you see that you're happier more productive and more creative so it's it's a journey it's a very long some people it's easier and some people that I also think it's easier the sooner you went into being freelance yeah I think if you worked somewhere for 20 years you've got 20 years of work week back in yeah that's true <laughs> I've worked for myself like for I've never had I've had like retail jobs and I have a social work degree so I've had like social work placements but that's it I've been my own boss pretty much for most of adulthood I don't have much work week baggage I just have like school baggage and like (laughs) I think that's what helped me set boundaries because I'm naturally probably a little bit more um (laughs) anti-rules and also I could build it. I think it's. I think if you're listening and you've worked on it for 20 years, it is harder because yeah. you've lived a different type of routine. I mean, yeah, for you, what do you true. find hardest about boundaries? Me personally, yeah, I find with client work, I find sometimes I'm I, I don't set boundaries properly for myself because I'm frightened that um, people will feel that they're not getting a good enough deal if they don't if they can't contact me like if I'm not basically on call (laughs) um and I think I I've yeah there's quite there's quite a lot of them really but I mean I remember touching base with you quite soon after maybe it was after our last call and I'd said to you oh no 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 it was after all our calls had finished um and I sent you an email and I was like oh you know I was getting a few speculative emails about coaching and it was normally people asking for advice and I would go back and give them loads and loads and loads of advice and da, 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 and then not tell them that I could offer them this as part of a package that they have to pay for and I was like oh I feel frightened that they'll if I don't give them all this free stuff that they basically if I don't do this then they won't pay for me and you pointed out well they're not clients they're not ever going to be willing to pay for you if they're not if they want all this free advice or you said it in a much better way than that but <clears throat> yeah I I call like it's like hustling for our self-worth in all the wrong places yeah totally and it's so understandable because it is so scary especially for someone like me to, for you to take you you've built this experience and this knowledge base and you're going to say I'm going to translate this into a coaching offering that's really scary because coaching is one of the least tangible offerings as a creative person it's you know it's and it's owning you're owning that expertise and it's really scary and then people are coming to you and because you naturally want to help people it's just it is so easy to fall into a trap of posting for your self-worth but all that happens on the other side of that is that you're empty and you're 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 in the minuses because you've just you've hustled and you've hustled and you've looked for it all in the wrong places and i think you get then you get tired and then the clients who do love you and do want to work with you you're empty for them too yes it's a really good way of looking at it as well because until you'd pointed this out really um i didn't like it was so simple but I hadn't really I almost felt a bit martyry <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. no but 
I've been put on this earth to help people. <laughs> I must help them. <laughs> I must help them get this plugin working on WordPress. But really, I mean, Google can help them. I don't need to help everyone who asks me by giving them all of my information. Yeah, and it's a... Uh... Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just agreeing, basically, and saying, yeah, I feel like a lot of people feel that way as well. And you end up feeling just a bit resentful, I think. And that's a horrible place to show up from, because I think then you feel guilty that you feel resentful. And that's where boundaries Mm. are amazing. So in terms of you have your boundaries between this is what's free and this is what you pay for. Yeah. And you have that first boundary. Then you have the boundary of clients and just the the parameter. And like you were saying earlier on, it actually makes the client feel better because if mm. they know how things are working, they just feel safe. Yeah. They feel like you have a process. They feel like they can trust you. Clients need boundaries. And I also think if you have good boundaries, you're modeling to everyone else around you that they have permission to have boundaries too. I think also as a human being, we not only have to honor our own boundaries, we then also have a responsibility to honor other people's boundaries, even if it goes against what we want. So say you have a friend who is like, listen, I'm really overwhelmed by emails and phones, so I'm not going to reply to texts between these hours of the day. And you're like, but I want to talk to you. (laughs) You've got to honor their boundaries, just like you would want to honor that. If you say them, listen, I can't do these certain evenings anymore to hang out because my daughter needs me or whatever. It's just you have to honor your boundaries, but also a part of that is paying it forward and honoring other people's boundaries too. That's a really good point. Everybody should take this <laughs> this piece of advice if they don't take anything else, just honor your own boundaries and other people's. So one of the other things that I think you're really awesome at is cr- like having white space. And I suppose that ties into a little bit, um, ties into your kind of boundaries and how good you are at creating boundaries for yourself. But having creative white space, which I feel is a bit of a buzzword I don't know if you feel like that but I feel like I keep hearing people say that essentially all it means is not doing other shit (laughs) so that you can feel creative like setting aside a day to do creative stuff and um, when we were working together I think you really encouraged me to have like to have separate days for different facets of my business and Mm -hmm. one of those days and I still have them they look a bit different than they did but um i still have that mindset of okay this day is my dreamy content creation day and i do whatever the hell i want but this day is going to be podcast editing day whatever um how how do you do it <laughs> tell us all of your secrets <laughs> i think for me i learned at some point that i don't function well with a jam-packed overscheduled, stressful life I crave so much space as a human being. I'm an introvert, like I'm an extreme introvert. So I wonder if that plays a big part of it for me. I'm also like, I am very, I pick up on a lot of emotions. Like I'm very, I I kind of live my life with my heart on my sleeve. So like a lot of stimulation for me is very draining. And also as a coach, which is like, which is the work I'm so passionate about. It takes so much energy to coach every week. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful transference of energy, but it takes a lot of energy. And I'm really committed to protecting that. So for me, white space is necessary for three areas of my life. It's necessary for me as a human. I mean, I I live with chronic illness. I live with mental illness. It's very important for me to feel like the healthiest, most connected, peaceful version of myself, which is something I want to choose as a human being in the world. It's really important for me as a creative person to have space just to let the ideas like fester and ruminate and come to life and just have space just to read and watch tv and just go for a walk and then it's so important for me to be able to show up as the coach i want to be in the world too and also just 
the human I want to be for my husband and my friends and my family and my dog and my cats. And so for me, <laughs> white space is essential for me to live a good life and to live the kind of be the kind of person in the world that I want to be. But I have had to build not only a business that allows me to have that, because I think it's very easy to build a business that fills up all your time. Yeah. And just hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. So I've had to build a business. And when I say I've had to build a business, I mean I've had to price myself in a certain way that allows me to do that. I've had mm-hmm. to build my schedule in a certain way that allows me to do that. I've had to and then I've also had to give myself permission to do that because the amount of time I I live as much as I work but that's not usually what's modeled to us, especially in the Western world, especially in like the UK and the Americas. I know in some European countries, they've got much better balance. But for us, it's kind of like you work eight hour days, you know, 40 hour weeks. That's kind of what we're expected to do. Yeah. And so for me, I had to really explore what was what a different way of life for me, of how I could live my life and how I could, how can I treat rest and white space as high importance doing the work? But because it all fuels each other, that's how I do it I feel no shame that like I will spend a whole day a week just like writing and listening to podcasts and reading and like napping if I want to I'll spend more than one whole day a week because <laughs> <laughs> then I also spend like two or three days a week just like d- diving deep into calls with clients so it's I think the biggest question is what kind of life do you want what kind of white space do you need um and then how can you build it for yourself and it's easier said than done I remember when I first realized this my business wasn't built to give me this much white space I was still doing like five days a week of coaching Mm -hmm. and I just had to find like pockets of time and then know what I wanted and build towards that so I think it's knowing what kind of white space you want what are the stories you're telling yourself that are stopping you from giving yourself that because a lot of us have more freedom especially when you're self-employed than we think we do yeah but we're wasting it by checking emails and checking social media and by just sitting there pretending that we're working because we feel like we should do when in reality we could be doing something that fuels us and energizes us and makes us feel joy. I also think a little bit, we, I don't think we value personal fulfillment as much as we do as work productivity. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. And that, and that starts from school, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Because nobody's asking you what you did each night like how did you how did you like make yourself happy like a few times a week there's no white space built into your packed schedule at school to just sit and read exactly we're celebrated for homework scores and how much we did and and as creative people our best work comes from sometimes we get our very best ideas and we're in the shower or when we're walking the dog or after a really great conversation with someone and I think um creativity thrives in a different environment then productivity also always thrives it isn't about getting the most work done it's sometimes about getting the best work done and then when you are a human who also has client work and you've got creative products of your own you've got to find a balance that where you can enjoy and show up fully to them both because your clients deserve the best version of you but so does your creativity you're so wise (laughs) (laughs) i just sometimes when you've been chatting throughout this interview I've been like I need to ask another question but I'm just literally listening to you (laughs) you know yeah as if this is you know a flipping free coaching call (laughs) I think people always ask me like oh how did you get to this place you're so young I'm 25 like and I think honestly like and I know you can probably relate to but I've lived with mental health issues for a long time and I have chronic illness and for me and I've experienced things in my life that I've had to overcome and I I think for me you kind of get to this point in life where you're like 
it's hard out of our control anyway. Mm. I'm not going to make it harder on myself. And, and I want a good life. I want a life where I'm proud of the work I do and proud of how I show up to the people in my life. And I want to treat myself well. Yeah. And I think, what if everything we've been modeled is full of shit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what if it's all, like, I, I, I naturally, like, my, my husband tells me that I hate organized anything and I hate authority. Yeah. And so I'm probably more naturally wired that way. Are you a Gretchen but, Rubis rebel? I'm a questioner, which I I thought I would be a rebel, but I'm a I'm questioner. A rebel. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, I so I everything I do has to make sense to me. Yeah, no, I I can see I can see that actually. I I can understand that. I I know what you mean. Like um, I, like you won't necessarily follow the rules for the sake of following the rules. You need to know the reason why. I'm definitely a rebel in terms of it. I just. But I think it sometimes comes from a place of insecurity. Like, I don't want to follow the rules. Just, I'm not following the rules because I'm so rebellious and contrary. But really, it's because I'm too scared to be part of it and to show up in, I don't know, and be judged almost. Oh, that's interesting. Like, mm. to be fully seen. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's easier to be on the sidelines. I do like, it's, Sometimes it's easier to be on the sidelines looking in, judging it, than it is to totally. be in there. Yeah, and that's just we're all working for that shit every single yeah. day yeah it's hard though isn't it it's hard especially when you're like you know we're all people listening to the podcast most of us are all you know online beings um and it's really easy to put ourselves out there online and be vulnerable and all the rest of it and see other people being vulnerable and it's kind you end up in this terrible greenhouse of navel gazing and <laughs> 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 and that's where I think like expanding what you consume like for me the things that bring me the most joy and the things that I think fuel my creativity the most is like any form of literature um films but most of all like round table like I love watching like round table conversations with like writers or like directors or like actresses <laughs> <laughs> Do you? like that fuels me so much like in <laughs> like, the what's that thing called in the actor's studio or in the Oh yeah, I like actors and actors. I like the Hollywood Reporter. Like I'm yeah. obsessed with those stuff. And but literature for me is like just like diving into a book. Like because I feel like Instagram and like our community, it's fantastic, but it is an echo chamber. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just everyone's doing their own version of it. But I think for me, it's I get way more depth when I take myself out of it and I do the things that just brought brought me joy before I joined the internet world. Yeah, <laughs> remember those days. <laughs> um i think you're amazing at recommending books so quite a lot of the books that i've read you uh, were recommended to me by you either through our coaching but also you share quite a lot in your letters and in your podcast i think you talked about you've talked about different books and stuff um obviously i'm sure everybody's <laughs> read big magic but <laughs> but also you recommended becoming to me ages ago by Laura J. Williams. Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's so, 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 so good. I actually didn't read it. I listened to the audiobook. Does she read it on she Audible? She reads it, yeah. Oh, that, that's awesome. It's really awesome. I, I haven't read Ice Cream for Breakfast, but I really want to. I think it'd be really interesting. Yeah, I read it on a plane too. I think I read it on the plane when we went to get married, and it was... Oh. It was wonderful. I read, I, remember, I read it on a plane. I can't remember. It's like I only read half of it. And you know, sometimes you read half a book on a plane, or like, and then you put it on your shelf, yeah. and then you need to come back to it. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. Yeah, she's amazing. What are some other books that you would recommend? The book I recommend to every human is Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. Um, I think she's she's a writer. She's a creative human. She's she's lived a lot of life, and I think it's a collection of her like advice columns. Honestly, I I read the book every year. 
this year I got the audiobook with which she reads out and I listened to it. I love her voice. Yeah, I would really recommend getting the audiobook. It's a really nice like when I do my makeup in the morning when I bother to put makeup on, I like <laughs> listen to it. She, it just it makes you be like the bravest, most like badass version of yourself because she the book I wrote, the Nobody's Gonna Do Your Life or Your Business for You that I wrote recently, that was kind of inspired by a quote from her, which is like, No one's gonna do your life for you, go do it for yourself. And I think her book always reminds me to be like the kindest, bravest version of myself and also she just dives into like so many like things like grief and loss and yeah. it's beautiful and then I think essentialism is a book I really love which is all about kind of it's like doing what's most essential in your life and not being distracted by the things that don't really matter mm-hmm. anything by Brene Brown I yes. think is, <laughs> is good. um Gretchen Rubin's books you've got the four tendencies and better than before which is about habits. I think that's really helpful if people want to understand what motivates them to do things. I think um, there's a book coming out next year that I'm very excited to read, which is by one of my favorite humans on the internet called Alexandra Franzen. She's got a book coming out called You're Going to Survive. And it's like a collection of stories of people who face like rejection or criticism or failure and how they survived it, which I think is going to be so powerful for people. Mm, Interesting. But I would honestly say also, for me, like, reading fiction helps me the most because it helps me just analyse what it means to be a human in the world. And then also, like, and then angry feminist books, as my husband likes to call it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, my favourite thing. Like, The Hate Spot by Jill Filipovic. Have you read it? No. Oh, you, it's fantastic. It's like, it's like, it's called like the feminist pursuit of happiness. And it's just, it was an incredible read. Like, that was one of my favourites of this year. But anything used by Cheryl Strayed, Brene Brown. Those are like my go-to books, yeah. And then fiction, just like feminist fiction, probably like what's my husband calls my angry feminist books. <laughs> yeah, angry feminist books. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody posted something about the why I'm not talking to white people about mm-hmm. racism. Have you heard of that book? Yeah, it's on my Amazon. Yeah. It's my next Amazon book order. It looks it looks really really good. It was Sass Petherick actually. She put it on her Instagram stories, and um, she said uncomfortable but necessary read yeah and those are sometimes the most Mm. important like um like books that make you uncomfortable but that challenge you and also as people who write i think it's i find it really interesting to just see how other people write and structure sentences yeah and tell stories because sometimes when you're just doing it so much yourself you forget that there are it encourages you to play around with sentence structure yeah. and all those collections of short stories actually like my favorite difficult women by roxane gay like oh, if you haven't that. read it it's beautiful it's just she amazing. does a really good is it it's roxane gay that does that amazing ted talk i know what she, she's got the book which is like bad feminist yeah yeah, yeah and then, yes of course yeah that's yeah that's and she's got hunger feminist. which came out this year but difficult women it's just this beautiful collection of stories that i just i don't know i love to be i nothing inspires me more than people who have honed their craft and they're excellent like Adele like if I just watch Adele and <laughs> I'm like whether you love her like she's fantastic Adele the singer oh, yeah like yeah, yeah. Me, I'm, just like, I'm just like she like she just she's a, a, in a league of her own yeah isn't she she's so cool yeah and I just think seeing people who have who are excellent at what they do and she's quietly excellent as well like she doesn't she doesn't she's brag true, like she, yeah and just like someone like Roxane Gay who just tells stories in such a unique, beautiful way, I think that inspires me more than anything, just seeing people who have honed their craft to that point. Is that, if, if you were to kind of, what would be the, the the best compliment anyone could pay you? Like if, if someone was talking about you to their friend and saying, that sounds a bit weird actually, talking about you to their friend, not talking about <laughs> you, but you know what I mean, right? Oh my God, that is such a hard question. I, 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 I guess I would hope people would say that I tell the 
I would hope people would feel like I tell the truth and I hope oh god I don't know I guess I hope people would just feel like I don't know I guess I hope I always hope people feel like I tell the truth I guess I always hope that people feel like I hold space for them to listen to themselves I think that's always my biggest aim with like my business and my work is like I hope people I hope I can hold space for people to listen to themselves and like honestly my biggest mission in life is I want to help people be the bravest version of themselves and if I manage to achieve that in the rest of my lifetime with however many people that will be I'll be a happy human (laughs) I think you definitely do that (laughs) (laughs) where can everybody find you online and also can you tell us a little bit about your coaching packages if you want to yeah so I um you can find me at jencarrington.com I am I have a a weird relationship with social media. Sometimes I show up, sometimes I don't. <laughs> but I'm also Jen Carrington on those. Um, yeah, I have a podcast, Make It Happen, which is currently in hiatus. It should be coming back next year, but I say this a lot and then I get tired and don't do it, but it should be coming back. <laughs> but there's loads of, there's a back catalogue that you can listen yeah, to. Yeah, there's, so. there's lots of episodes. And then, yeah, so I work one-on-one with wonderful, creative humans. Um, I have two different packages. I've got a six-month package. I have a one-off session package. Basically... I just walk with people in their journeys. I hold space for them. I action plan with them. I'm like a accountability partner, creative mentor, strategic partner in crime all rolled up into one. But if you want to find out more about it, the best places on my website, I have like a page full of client stories, which are always fun to read. But, um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. And I have my favorite thing to create every week is I send out emails every Sunday to my email community. So if you want to dive into more of that, that's probably the best place to dive into. Yes, and all of I will link to all of it in the show notes. Thank you. Oh, thank you so thank much. You so it was great to you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to What She Said. If you liked this episode or any of the other episodes, then please think about leaving me a rating and a review on iTunes because it really helps get the show out to other awesome creators like you and it's a little bit of an ego boost for me too. <laughs> If you want to connect with me, you can find me over on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, everywhere, <laughs> at Wanderloo's blog, or just head over to my blog, wanderloos.com, which is also where you can find the show notes every single episode too. I love hearing what you think about the show, if it's good, and I reply, I try to reply to each and every one of you. Thanks for listening, and come back again next week. <laughs>